Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Best Take here on KZLX 106.7 LP Maryville. Uh, we are out here today to talk about musicals, or really just in general uh, movies that have a lot of music in them. I'm Will Linder, your host, uh, because apparently I haven't been doing that. Uh, straight across from me is my friend and companion Kyle Harris. How's it going, guys? And to my left is also my friend and companion, Cody Nance. I'm very ignorant about the music genre. But he's got a voice like a golden swan. <laughs> Wesley Ellington is out for this episode, but um, we will continue with a whole list of uh, movies with a lot of music in them. Uh, and it can be anything from just that to um, musical theater things that have been previously on Broadway and have been put into a film, or it can just be a lot of uh, good music in a very good film. Um, do you guys listen to a lot of like actual musical theater kind of stuff? We listen nope. to a lot of soundtracks, but like just, like straight up musical theater. Yeah, like Broadway. I yeah, was, Broadway. I mean, there's a couple shows that I like and I'll listen to. Um, when it came out, I was one of the people that really liked Hamilton. I got the opportunity to see it on stage a couple weeks ago, which was cool. So, like the Hamilton soundtrack, um, West Side Story's been big for me. That kind of started on Broadway. Um, so, so it's not so much that I'm in the habit of listening to uh, Broadway albums, but just like if I really like one, I'll I'll pick it up. That's kind of the way it is for me because I'm a big fan of the musical rent mm-hmm. um I, I know it like you know front to back but then i'm not like super big on the movie with like rosario dawson and stuff um mostly because it was just like a different feel and it didn't really work out as well in my opinion um other people would probably say that with like joel schumacher's phantom of the opera film um but i actually think that that holds up pretty well um especially with like emmy rossum as like the as the lead and uh, gerard butler in there i i feel like that film worked a lot better than some of the other musical theater uh things that have happened in the past but um with that being said cody do you have anything to add uh i musicals probably one of my down there genres of film i i like a couple of them like we'll get to those on the list but it's not something i'm eager to go to a theater for like every now and then i'll be surprised by one and we'll get to that so right well uh first on our list we have the uh, musical movie la la land which um did not win the uh, best picture for 2016 (laughs) as we all remember they mixed up the names uh with the other um competitor moonlight uh, which really won the Best Picture Award that year. Yeah, but it won Best Comedy at the Golden Globes. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. O- it's a over, rom-com. Over Deadpool. Yeah, a, I thought you were talking about Moonlight for a second. I'm like, no. well, it's a pretty dark <laughs> film. I'm not sure if it really qualifies. But um, La La Land, is, uh, it stars, I believe, Emma Stone. Is that right? And mm-hmm. then Ryan Gosling. And they're just like two people trying to make it through the uh, the maze of Hollywood and musical artists and stuff. Um, my first like thing with this film was I didn't really think that it was super, super like musical. And like I guess – you don't really like see a lot of people like listening to the soundtrack like over and over and over again. Um, but the story itself was pretty good. Um, and I, I really liked how the character dynamic of these two people who are like really, really yearning to get out into the Hollywood scene. Um, I really like that dynamic. And especially when it's something along the lines of a musical, it does work pretty well as far as the collaboration between those two characters goes. Um, you've seen it, Kyle. Yeah, so 
as a general rule, I like my musicals in Technicolor with like, you know, I, I'm like the old school. I like the 50s Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers type stuff. And this was a big send up to that. Uh, in fact, I think you could argue that like the third act is almost completely ripped from Vincent Minnelli's An American in Paris. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. You could argue whether it's ripped or whether it's homage. But uh, yeah, so this was a really fun throwback to the, the musicals that I love and watched growing up. Um, I, I did like the characters. Uh, I do listen to the soundtrack often, though, I think. Uh, maybe there's only three or four like good songs from it, but I do listen to those three or four songs. My biggest complaint with it, if I had one, because I really like the movie, uh, but the only complaint I have about the musicality of it is that their main song, City of Stars, is like probably my least favorite song on the soundtrack, and they play it probably ten times throughout the movie. Like, like it's least, maybe not the words, but the simple like piano tune that accompanies the song. They like stretch throughout the film. Anytime something sad happens, they play that. Uh, and so it does kind of drag. So I'm not a huge fan of City of Stars. But other than that, I love the soundtrack and I think I listen to it semi-frequently. Yeah. And I, I think that it's a it's a good film in general. It just it didn't really work out um, as far as that musical stuff goes for me usually. Um, I, I thought the opening number... Uh, it starts with like a, a clogged freeway in Los Angeles and, and they're people all, they get, get out of their, out of their cars. cars and fantastic. Like if the whole movie could keep that energy, it would have yeah, been a 10 yeah, out of 10. Yeah, that, that, that's honestly, if that, that amount of energy in that first act, you know, maybe even that first scene was like, it was like, cool. Like, wow, this is like a super colorful film in the, in that first act there. It's just a bit different in my opinion. Um, but overall, I feel, I feel like it does have a very colorful vibe to it. And as far as like Hollywood goes, um, it definitely fits that bill. And it makes you want to go out to like Los Angeles or just California in general. And that's a fun trip on its own, honestly. So mm-hmm. it definitely holds up. Uh, next, we have Singing in the Rain, which you put as like a five-star movie for sure. Yeah, you know. five out of five. I think it's pretty damn perfect, pretty darn perfect. Um, uh, th- what can you say that hasn't already been said? It's like universally recognized as one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, it's like mu- movie magic in its purest form. Uh, certain songs in it can can bring me to tears at times. Like "Make 'Em Laugh" is like one of my favorite songs from a musical ever. Uh, make 'em laugh, make 'em laugh. You probably recognize it even if you haven't seen the movie. Um, but I don't know the actor's name. He's like the, the third character He's the supporting actor, but he does this great like physical comedy routine during that song where he's like pantomiming and like really going off the walls. And it's just this huge, huge performance that just, I don't know, reminds me of everything that I like about movies, uh, and musicals at one time. And it, it's just really special to me. I guess I really like that song and I really love the energy of the movie as a whole. It just seems very precise but at the same time, it's not like overdone. It seems like they're having fun. It seems like it's it's a really happy movie. I can't recommend it highly enough. My only experience with this movie is uh, the scene in Clockwork Orange when uh, they start singing, singing in the rain. And then it's improvised <laughs> and stuff. doing some very bad things. Well, for yeah. the longest time, I didn't think that singing in the rain was its own independent movie with like a entire plot and stuff and then all of a sudden like i looked you know famous movies from the 1950s and it's there Mm. i was like wow this is like a really cool neat anecdote and then i realized like oh it's like the song from when i i learned it when i was a kid and now it's just like stuck in my head Mm -hmm. it's like zippity doo dah or um you know 
It's just got that like weird vibe to it where you you've always known like how that tune goes and stuff. Yeah, so. and I mean like you can't talk about musicals without naming Gene Kelly who stars in Singing in the Rain and a bunch of other famous 1950s and late 40s musicals on the town uh, an American in Paris. Uh, but what's special is that he stars in the movies, but he also choreographs all of the dancing and singing for them and directs a good portion of them. So he really is like like if you like singing in the rain, a good reason for that is because of Gene Kelly. If you like any of those movies I listed, it's it's him. So uh, yeah, he definitely is like an auteur of the genre and somebody that I think is like one of the best people at what he does. Absolutely. Up next, um, another one of your films, Kyle. It's I'm Not There. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Are, are any of you familiar with this? No. You, you've you said some very good things about it, and I, I think I've seen it in your collection. But I, is this the Bob Dylan one? Yeah, this is a movie where six different actors all play, like, not they don't play Bob Dylan, but they play, like, parts of his personality, if that makes sense. So some of them are. One of them actually is Bob Dylan. Like, But that's played by Kate Blanchett plays Bob Dylan. Uh, one of the six people is uh, a young black child in like the 1930s. Like they're, they're talking about like the different like spirits or like phases of Bob Dylan and each one of them kind of captures a different sense of him. Uh, but I, I really love the movie. It's super well done. Uh, there's a really cool, like they, I mean, there's some kind of like, there might be basic, but I think they were really cool and impactful tricks and like metaphors and symbolism so like there's a famous festival that bob dylan performed at where he used an electric guitar for the first time on stage like it was like considered that when he went electric was at this festival and so the way that they show that in the movie is that he gets on stage uh, and him and his like three or four you know backup guitarists or whatever they all reach into their guitar cases uh, but instead of pulling out guitars, they pull up like Tommy guns and just like slaughter the audience Whoa. with them. Yeah, it's like super cool, <laughs> and they cut it really well. The editing's fantastic, but yeah, it's 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 an out there movie that I really recommend, especially if you like Bob Dylan. You guys are gonna be upset with me. Um, I I just now realized we weren't talking about Bob Marley. Oh no, yeah, not <laughs> Bob Marley, no, different no. guy, Bob Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. Yeah, only and I, like which, the greatest musician of all time. Which really makes me wonder because i always thought that like bob dylan's music it mostly sounded a lot of the same kind of stuff where it was like that that mid-60s vibe and there's like there's a couple like really good songs that like stand out but then the rest is just more of like acoustic drifts and stuff so i wonder like i I do wonder what kind of person he is like because there's like a really famous video too um probably trending on facebook right now it's a the remember like the we are the world yeah, campaign exactly video or something like about. that and so everybody it's all the stars like all the celebrities who were doing that thing they're singing and they're dancing like on stage and stuff they're all happy and then zooms in like bob dylan's face and he's just got this like look you know just like leaning to one side and he's just dead in the well, face well he doesn't know he, the words he doesn't know the words <laughs> <laughs> he's like pretending like he knows what's going on but he doesn't know the words and he's like looking at the people next to him for the choreography and then he has like a solo like in the in the song I believe. Um he's like it's just for man again. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I guess I guess he he's still alive too. That's the That's thing. that's the killer is like imagine cuz it's not always it's not a puff piece on Dylan. Like some of those like segments with the different people like call him a fraud or someone who's like 
like I talked about the black kid, like they, they kind of make a point that maybe he's like stealing someone else's culture here at times. So it's like at times kind of aggressive towards Bob and also like congratulatory, but how, how weird or difficult would it be to make that movie about him knowing that he's still alive and is going to watch this? Like how weird would it be to see that movie about you? I don't know. I just think it's fascinating. You know, like a couple of years ago, he run, he, uh, he won the Nobel prize in literature for like a thing deserved absolutely like his lyrics if you printed them out on paper would be like one of the greatest collections of poetry from the last 100 years i think you got it for extraordinary poetic power yeah um for the american song tradition so that's pretty cool um up next we have yellow submarine is this another one of yours yeah, I guess mine are kind of all in a no, row. On the we kind of, I think that when we wrote this list, they were all kind of crunched together. Yeah, so. well, I'll just throw out there that it's a really great movie if you like the Beatles. It's very funny. I love the. There's a bunch of different like animation styles. Uh, so check that one out if you're a Beatles fan. But we can move on to somebody else's I could, movies. I could never watch this because my my dad has ruined it for me. Um, almost at least two to three times a week, I'd hear him singing that in the morning. We all live in a yellow summer. We all live in a yellow But the thing yeah. is, he doesn't. He only knows the chorus, and I've heard it so <laughs> many times. And if I hear it one more time, something's getting smashed. Oh, but it's a great <laughs> song, and that movie does a great job because it was made. I don't know what year it came out, but after at least the bulk of the Beatles records were already produced, uh, so they had a huge discography to choose from, and they sampled some songs from like Rubber Soul. Some from Help, some from, you know, the White Album, whatever. Uh, so I think they did a really good job of, like, choosing the soundtrack. I recognize the animation style. I don't think I've actually seen the whole film. Um, well, it's hard to say you recognize the animation style because it's not consistent. The beginning, Well, no, but that the yellow, the... the the, the classic, original, the, the what you're classic, thinking yeah, of. you know, like the the one that's always shown, uh, yeah, with the submarine part, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I think a lot of it is like proto Monty Python. There's some stuff that's like, I guess the word would be pastiched or like collaged in the beginning. You know, like a giant, like a picture of a a hand from a magazine with a pointing finger, like flying through the air. Like I don't know. To me, it screamed early Monty Python. And then at other times, it was like an Andy Warhol esque. Um, the segment for Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds is definitely my favorite. It's one yeah. of the most artistically inventive. So if you're curious about the film, uh, check out the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds segment. If you like it, you'll know that it's for you. It's like on the plot summary, it's like split up into seas, you know, like sea of time, mm-hmm. sea of science, sea of monsters. That's pretty cool. It's, it's very psychedelic. It's out catch, there, man. If you catch my drift, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, up, next, <laughs> up next on our list, we have the movie Grease. Olivia Newton, John, and our Lord and Savior, John, John Travolta. Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's seen Grease, right? I Everybody so. knows about the gang at Rydell High. Yeah. <laughs> the Thunderbird, the the T-Birds, and the Pink Ladies. Pink Ladies, yeah. Something like that. Or maybe Some, Pink Lady is the name of an apple and they have a different name. I don't know. Sometimes I would spend the night at my grandparents' house, and this was like the only film... I think besides Treasure Planet or another film called Millions. Oh, I know that. that, The Danny Boyle movie. The Danny Boyle movie where they just have a bunch of money. (laughs) Yeah. Both both great movies. Great. Um, So there's that. And then um, our – yeah, so um, Grease was one of the films that we had always, you know, been around. And, like, my mom, I guess, like, had a super, like, big thing with it too. But – 
I, I don't know. Like, there are weird parts of the movie that I often forget. A big part of that film that I, I don't <laughs> I don't quite always remember is the beauty school dropout. Oh, I love it. Like, that whole plot, I don't mm-hmm. – I, I totally forget about that one character. And then all of a sudden, like, the guy comes out, and he's just singing to this lady and all that, and they're in, like, the big salon in the sky or something. Mm-hmm. I guess it's fun, but, like, the production quality in that film is, is pretty A-OK, <laughs> quite honestly. Well, I think there's – and, Cody, I'll have you comment on my hypothesis here. Okay. Uh, most of us saw Grease for the first time when we were young kids because our parents showed it to us. False. Okay. Well, <laughs> my my theory was going to be that when you're a kid and you haven't been to high school yet, you watch this and you're like, you, you don't get like the not satirical elements, but that it's intentionally aggrandized in certain areas, like for humor or for fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like when you watch it again as an adult, it's a completely different movie where you're like, this is supposed to take place in a high school. <laughs> I watched it my freshman year trying to impress a girl. Oh really? How'd I, it go? I didn't end up with that girl. Oh. <laughs> All for trying the to better. impress the girl by like, Oh look, I can, my knowledge of Greece, a very <laughs> popular American film. I <laughs> think brings up another question though. Like, do you think like singing in the rain or, yeah, I, I would suppose, like, Grease, they're, like, American films, you know what I mean? So it's, like, you take, like, that film, send it over to Russia at the time and stuff, and be like, look, this is, like, this is, like, a good American film. These that's kids are unruly, we must destroy them. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, I do think that it's, like, the American genre. Yeah. You know how, like, jazz is the American genre of music, they say, because we kind of invented it? Uh, like, I feel like for, for film, that's, like, we own... We own musicals, and for a while we owned the westerns. But yeah. then, then the Italians came and took that away. <laughs> Italians from us. and Spaniards. But so now we have the musical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I I, I do think that the Grease Two is out there, but no one watched it. It's fun to watch yeah. once. But There's the soundtrack. Grease 2? Yeah. Wow. The soundtrack to Grease One is like an all-time great musical movie soundtrack. Yeah, I feel I like at, we all of us could name at least three or four songs off that Wait, and sing them that, pretty well. That means that they, they didn't die at the end of Grease 1? No, because do you remember cast. like there oh. is a completely different... So it's like it's like a second tier purgatory or a second dimension, <laughs> however you want to look at that. But they like fly off into the car. It's a weird, weird like it's way to trip. end a movie. <laughs> it's kind of a, just have them drive out and like everybody... Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the sky, yeah. that's like the best it's like way unnecessary production material. Moral of the story is best way to get a boy to like you is to change your personality completely. Absolutely, <laughs> and we will. Um, next, um, we have, oh, another great, great film. Actually, no, it's not a great film. It's a really good soundtrack to the film, and the soundtrack is arguably better than the film. Also stars John Travolta. We're talking about... Uh, Saturday Night Fever from 1977. Mm. When my mom would drive us around in this big van that we had, because we had a bunch of siblings and stuff, um, we would often put this uh, <laughs> CD or whatever, like in in the in the in the disc tray or whatever, shove it in there, and it would always be "How Deep Is Your Love." That song is probably one of my it's definitely in my top 10 but it's going to be probably played at my wedding or funeral depending on how the future events of my life <laughs> pertain to yeah but one of them is great um there's like more than a woman jive uh, talking is my jive favorite. talking is great cool in the gang like makes an appearance there too um towards the end of the album but probably one of the best albums 
to get like physical ones, you know. Um, that and besides like Led Zeppelin two, in my opinion. <laughs> is so. um, is this the one with the paint buckets thing? That's like yeah. carried all the time, where he's carrying paint buckets down the street for some reason, and like dancing. yeah, it, yeah, that, <laughs> that's a big part of the movie. Um, I believe it's like the beginning. Uh, John Travolta is basically, I, I, oh man, is there even a plot to this film? It's mostly just a bunch of like people at the, like the disco and stuff. There's like a subplot, like John Travolta like go, do, goes and like does a thing and whatnot. Well, he, wants, and he has like he wants to like be, I don't a star, know, right? Because yeah. there's a big monologue in front of a mirror. Where he wants to be like a big disco star, I guess. But he's like, I could have been a star. <laughs> that or I'm thinking of I could have been a contender that, by Marlon Brando. On, on you also, <laughs> have you ever seen Boogie Nights? Uh, no, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, there's a very similar monologue in Boogie Nights where it's yeah. like, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be better than this place or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but Saturday, Saturday Night Fever, like, that was definitely my mom's favorite movie yeah i guess growing up but it definitely fits in with like you know if i hear bgs in my head it always goes back to this film mm. you know for sure and like disco music in general i don't have a problem with at all some people do and i i find it to be like very very chill <laughs> like i really wish that people would play more disco music at parties <laughs> instead of like you know, little Nas or Twenty One Savage or something like that. <laughs> Just slip in, like you know, slip in like more than a woman, and we'll be okay. Or staying alive, at least. You know. See, yeah. I'm so uncultured that when I hear BGS, I go straight to the Fairly Odd Parents, where Cosmo has this weird monologue about how nobody likes the BGS because they got overexposed to the BGS and started saying too much BGS. That's that's, that's a part of an episode. That's very (laughs) unique. Very specific there. This is why we have Cody on the show. (laughs) Um, Up next... Man, I'm trying to find out like the actual title for the movie. It's the Tenacious D one. Tenacious, Tenacious D, D and the Pick of Destiny. The Absolutely. Pick of Destiny. Okay, this came out in 2006, which is a lot more recent than I thought. I thought it came out like in the 90s or whatever, but um, mm, it feels like it did. Yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely feels like it did. It's a musical fantasy. That's how they describe it. Um, you've got Jack Black, Kyle, Gas. Ben Stiller, that's about it. And they produce it as that's well. That's not too. about it. You not got about it. Amy Poehler, Fred Armisen. Um, oh, but like the people who like are associated with Tenacious Paul D. Paul F. Tompkins. Right. I really like this movie. Um, musical comedy is probably one of my favorite genres of both music and comedy. I I just find something so clever about being able to tell a good joke and a good song at the same time. And uh, I listen to the best song ever tribute mm. uh, a lot and it's one of my favorites and i enjoy it yeah absolutely i mean jack black's ability his like scatting ability which he uses in the song you just mentioned tribute parentheses to the greatest song in the world where he just goes deep like it's something only jack black can pull off like i felt stupid just doing that but like he almost makes it cool where you're like man jack black is so cool <laughs> i'm sorry there is a lot more people in it um the the poster of dio is actually dio yeah it's cool Weird. dio like yeah. pops he like walks out of this poster in a young jack black's room because jack black grows up in missouri oh my kickapoo which is it a real Kick-a-poo. place <laughs> i don't know if it's real i think i looked it up once and i'm not sure if it is but like the southern baptist 
vibe that I get from that movie probably does exist. <laughs> um, no, so it's got that, and it's got Dave Grohl as Satan. Uh, Meatloaf is in it. J.R. Reed, Ben Stiller, Paul F. Tompkins. Tim Robbins is in it. John C. Riley, whole bunch of people, man. Amy Adams, Amy Adams as gorgeous woman. <laughs> so, so the plot so. of the movie is that uh, there's a famous pick, a guitar pick, that uh, whoever plays it, like first it was in the hands of. Uh, like Led Zeppelin and then the guitarist for the who had it and then so-and-so had it and that made them all famous so Jack Black and his bandmate Kyle Gass are like on a search to steal this pick from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum in what is that like Ohio like Columbus yes, Columbus <laughs> so so it's it's a big it's a road movie to Columbus it's really funny uh, with some great music scattered throughout uh, definitely a recommendation from me I would say that the music videos are what will really get you at first and then watch the movie. Um, this movie actually did, uh, yes, it did bomb. Yeah, horribly. Oh, yeah. Horribly. All movies. So. All movies like this tend to bomb. Yeah. Well, like, let's, let's bring up the next, one of the next movies on our list that's super similar, Popstar. Pop yeah. Yeah. Cody and I have seen this. Cody, talk about what Popstar is. Popstar is a mockumentary uh, produced by the guys behind the Lonely Island who are another musical comedy group that I grew up listening to on Saturday Night Live and amazing stuff like that. And it's just this guy is Andy Samberg playing this guy named Connor for real. And it's basically making fun of the Justin Bieber movie. And (laughs) he's becoming like a hack and doesn't know how to launch his solo career so he's making all these horrible but amazing songs at the same time and it's one of the funniest movies i've ever seen i think yeah uh sorry go ahead well for the for the proper title of this film it's called pop star never stop never stopping (laughs) yeah (laughs) never stop never stopping it's a it's a joke a minute movie but it also has just like a million people in it it's like the first 15 minutes of the movie they're just trying to explain to you how monumentously popular this Justin Bieber knockoff Connor for real <laughs> is. And so they have like cameos from, you know, the two living Beatles and 50 cent and like Shania Twain, like just literally every musician seal <laughs> seal, like just being like, yeah, man. Uh, Cause he used to be in a band called the style boys, which is kind of them poking fun at like Justin Timberlake and the backstreet boys. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah, man, uh, the Style Boys changed my life, you know? And, like, it's, it's Simon Cowell's like, the Style Boys are probably <laughs> the best actor that I've ever seen oh, or man. whatever. So it, it starts off with just, like, every famous person you've ever heard of. But with, what really gets me about the movie is that they're making fun of mainstream pop music, but at the same time, they spent a lot of time and effort making sure that the songs in the movie are actually, like, really good, like, well-constructed, catchy pop songs. That, yeah, if you changed one or two words to like get rid of the main jokes, like in the song, they could actually play on the radio and do yeah. pretty well, I think. Like the Bin Laden song is probably my favorite Lonely Island song at this point. Yeah, and hard like, one to talk about on the radio. Obviously, without violating that one, some yeah, FCC. Really difficult to talk about, but. I, I love the part where uh, he's singing the humble song and then mm-hmm. he's just for no reason. Adam Levine is a hologram. <laughs> yeah. For for context, the humble song is a song called I'm So Humble. And uh, lyrics include stuff like bar none. I am the most humblest. Number <laughs> one at the top of the humble list. <laughs> or um, the equal rights song. I'm not gay, but if I were, I would want equal rights. Yeah, that's like his Macklemore parody. I would want equal rights. <laughs> <laughs> and, like the, the big joke is that they're like, 
this movie came out like after the Supreme Court case that legalized gay marriage. <laughs> and they're like, why is he making like a, like they have, equal, like obviously, I mean, there's not true equality, you could say, but I mean, he's like campaigning for the government to create equal rights here. And they're like, dude, like, while well, he's also this. making sure that everybody knows he's not gay. Yeah, like he's still very self conscious about that. It's got a lot of people. It's got ASAP Rocky, Nas, Pharrell Williams, Usher, Carrie Underwood, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> is what do they do with Seal in this movie? Is this a I'm, Seal sings at his wedding and oh, okay. Seal gets eaten by yeah, wolves. I was gonna say he <laughs> dies in this film. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I remember. Um, yeah, pop star, never stop, never stopping. Absolutely underrated. Highly recommend. Yes. Um, up next on our list, we have Eight Mile from 2002. And we're just going to give Cody the mic. Yeah, really. <laughs> Knees weak, arms are heavy. Um, so Spaghetti. this is the Eminem movie. Um, no, it's the Rabbit movie. I know, but it's basically Eminem. <laughs> Eminem's character is named Rabbit, but right. we all know that he plays himself. But we all know that he's Eminem. Which is a... Uh, in my opinion a bit narcissistic of him <laughs> because like look i i get like your story and stuff but people have had worse stories happen you know and i'm just saying like maybe this isn't so bad maybe there's other people especially stars who have had like way worse tragedies in their life I, that's just me that's just me uh, eminem if you're listening to this i'm sorry <laughs> eminem if you're listening to this hang on um i just think it really captures rap battle culture like in an accurate light like it doesn't glorify it in any way it's like dirty and and hard to do like he doesn't succeed at the end of the movie the big moral is all right well i won this thing i'm gonna go back to work now Mm -hmm. and then he's just gonna work until he has enough money to maybe start a studio recording session Mm -hmm. and i just like that genuineness of the movie and it won an oscar did it not I know the song did. Yeah, and I obviously that, everybody yeah. knows "Lose Yourself." Like, if uh, you... I'm, to clarify, uh, "Lose Yourself" won Best Original Song at the uh, Academy Awards for that year. Um, I can't remember who won. I believe it was "A Beautiful Mind" or what year was it? 2002. Yeah, probably "A Beautiful Mind." Yeah, I think that was 2001. But I'll, I'll double check. But everybody knows "Lose Yourself," and. Anytime it comes on, people go crazy. Mm-hmm. And without this movie, we have to lose, lose yourself. And I'm just a really big Eminem fan in general, so I'm super biased. But this film always motivates me in a way. Um, but it's also just kind of a super sad movie at the same time. Yeah, hmm. I um, I didn't realize until I moved to the state that like he had some affiliation with St. Joseph where he like lived there for a bit or maybe his mom lives there. Is that, I is believe that right? he was born there is the thing. And well, I mean like he's lived in Detroit for most of his life. So yeah. if he was born there like six months later, he was in Detroit. Yeah, probably. But now his, his mother now lives in St. Joe. And so there have been sightings because obviously you got to come visit mom sometimes. <laughs> So people have seen him around St. Joe. I'm really surprised Cody just hasn't like stalked his mother, you know, because Cody's like a huge Eminem fan. And sometimes I worry that he's going to like use the yellow pages or whatever and just like camp outside her house. (laughs) Hey, I have not dyed my hair blonde yet. I am naturally. You told me. Yeah, you told me you were natural. I couldn't. I honestly kind of forgot like what his hair was. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. 
he really is a blonde. So. <laughs> the reason why I couldn't come up with the 2002 Best Picture uh, Award winner was because it's Chicago. Oh, another that movie one. musical. Another movie musical. Hannah um, loves that movie. My girlfriend Hannah, and I think a lot of, I think that's maybe a more female-oriented film. Is there any girl out there who does not enjoy the cell block tango? Oh, is there any Lord. girl out there? If you're here, like, speak <laughs> up now. But like, we are just assuming that every single girl has listened to. He had it coming. <laughs> he only had himself. What's the cell block tango? Uh, ask it, Abby. Just the okay. yeah. Ask <laughs> Abby, and then it's just the. Uh, it's the big song on that entire film. No, the and, big uh, song is no, John C. Riley singing song. Mr. No. Cellophane Man. <laughs> I mean, that's up there, but this no, is definitely the... That's just a creepy song. <laughs> Cell Black Tango is definitely the big one. Mr. <laughs> Cellophane Man is terrifying. It's so weird, yeah. He's like a sad clown who's like crying about how his wife cheated on him. Regardless. It's a weird one. Yeah. But um, the, the weird part about this particular film is that it's Chicago... And then Oliver, they are the only ones to win Best Picture Oscar um, ever uh, as a musical, you know. And Oliver is like, okay, you know, like it's, it's a bit dated, but um, that was like 1968. I'm going to call you out on that one. Oh, the first, I'm sorry, the, the first musical Oscar. to win the Best Picture since Oliver. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the second ever movie to win an Oscar was called The Broadway Melody uh, right after Wings. And that's. A yeah, musical. but I know it's a musical, but. Oh, it's like very Does clearly a count? musical. <laughs> <laughs> That's just according to my sources, i.e., yeah. the internet. Gotcha. But uh, Chicago was okay when I saw it. Yeah. Like overall, fine. it was fun. Um, up next, we have The Greatest Showman, another musical movie that did really, really well at the box office. And um, that honestly, I do think has a better soundtrack than La La Land um, because I can 100%. sing it. Yeah. yeah I, I can definitely hear like Zendaya. And for some reason, Hugh Jackman's like a really good singer. Yeah. Um, for some reason. For some reason. I, and I, like, I, it's, it's one of those things. I think Hugh Jackman and Jeremy Renner just like have the same amount of like vocal talent. And then I remember that Hugh Jackman was in uh, Les Mis in like 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he did a really good job um, in, in that movie. And so now, like he he does uh, the um, B T Barnum guy, which PT. is P T. I'm B T P T Barnum. Um, which, by the way, is a very historically inaccurate <laughs> yeah, but it's subject. Fun, but like, this movie was a very big surprise for me. I 100% didn't ever plan to watch this movie. Uh, I just happened to see it one day, and I'm not a big circus fan. There's a lot of things at the circus that scare me. Um, so, <laughs> I and I also I'm not the biggest musical fan. So I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. But then. All the songs are just super catchy. Um, the one where Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron are, are in the bar. The rap song? I, yeah, I sing that in the shower like all the time. <laughs> like It's so catchy. Mm. And so I've watched this movie multiple times, and the fact that uh, it got me to watch it multiple times is a testament of how good it is, I believe. Yeah, it definitely has like a grassroots, like a cult behind it. Uh, I was surprised that it didn't really receive a lot of Oscars love, I don't think. No. It seems weird. They were, which I wonder, they were upset yeah. about the P.T. thing. Mm, maybe. Because, like, well, the, the P.T. Barnum deal was, it's a bad one, and it's not, like, a great story where it's like, oh, it's just this humble man who wants to do good for his family. It's like, no, this dude was a pretty self-centered guy who was exploiting people for their 
abnormalities and it mm-hmm. wasn't they didn't treat they were not treated very well yeah. sold tickets to a woman's autopsy yeah <laughs> can't do that Whack. anymore can't do that um next up on our list we have the blues brothers Ooh, but bro- yeah. i wish that wes was here yeah he would know what to say <laughs> yeah i mean everybody loves the blues brothers big influence on me as a kid um I think that the music in it's really special because there's there's not a lot of other ways for Kyle Harris living in Columbia, Missouri at the time, probably. Like, in the middle of the Midwest, like, be exposed to the blues and to, like, the genres and stylings of, like, Aretha Franklin or, like, the kind of people in that movie. So it was kind of eye-opening to, like, a whole other genre of music, I think, to me personally. Doesn't that movie take place in Illinois? I mean Chicago, I guess. Yeah. But like Chicago is like its own thing, you know. Like, yeah, no, Chicago's not Midwest. It's like this weird, big city in the middle of the Midwest that doesn't count. I heard this. that people from Illinois, and this is according to Alex Kurt, um, that like people who live in the state of Illinois despise people who live in Chicago, and then vice versa. So like, if you're from the Naperville area, chances say that somebody in Carbondale don't like it too well. They don't fancy that that city folk. So. All I know is <laughs> I hate Illinois Nazis. I hate all Nazis, just for the that, record. That's true, too. Cool. Good. Right. Um, <laughs> well, with that being said, we're going to move on to Willy Wonka and the uh, Chocolate Factory. You mean all, Charlie oh, and the Chocolate the, Factory? Yes, Charlie and the Chocolate, <laughs> Chocolate Factory, because you haven't seen the... Have you really not seen the original one? I've seen the end of it. It's a trip. It's really good. It's fantastic. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. And it's a great music. Like, Gene Wilder takes it away with pure imagination. And, like, I didn't realize how big of a deal that would be, like, for me now. But then I think about when I was a kid, and I'm just like, oh, that was, like, the cool part of the movie when it's just a bunch of joy where, like, kids are eating the grass and, you know, like, <laughs> lollipop <laughs> sticks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're not drinking out of the river until later. And well, but great. There's, <laughs> there's also this weird, like – um ability to move between tones especially in the music because pure imagination is such a sweet beautiful song followed by like the oompa loompas who can be terrifying when you're a child and it's like uh it's it cuts to like an all black background and it's very artistic where the oompa loompas are just like marching around and like drawing colors and symbols and shapes with their fingers on this black screen so like yeah it cuts away from the movie into kind of spooky territory especially because it's immediately followed by um, the river scene. Do you know what I'm talking about, Will? We've discussed this before. There's a scene where uh, they all get on this weird boat on the chocolate yeah, no, the river. Bo- the, not the river scene, the tunnel scene. The tunnel scene, yeah. yeah. Well, so they go through this tunnel, and they're like, gee, it's getting really dark in here, Willy Wonka. And he starts singing this creepy song about, like, Well, it keeps going it? faster and faster, and then they see things on the walls and stuff, and then they start freaking out. Like, And it's just weird stuff, too. It's like one of them is like a, like a chicken getting its head cut off. The other one is like a, a weird, like, millipede, like, insect thing or whatever and it's crawling over like a person's face and it's like Ugh, I mm-hmm. think I'm gonna be sick and like Wonka stop this boat right now and then he starts singing like that weird like is it raining is it snowing is a hurricane a blowing and then he starts like screaming about how like there are s- no signs that any th- th- there, we there are, are no slowing <laughs> yeah it's and like- then he goes Aah. <laughs> and then it's just over and then they're like in the next room and they're like cool everybody off the boat back to <laughs> he literally it goes like we're here yeah <laughs> like what? For, what was that for the record 
none of that is in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Well, that was a different way. And, like, the, uh, the, the, for some reason, that tunnel scene is in the movie. We don't know why. It's terrifying. It's it was, absolutely horrifying. Well, check out the lighting next time, like, you're watching that film. Because both sides of his face, like, light up with, like, different colors and stuff for, mm-hmm. like, the reflection. It's just weird. It's just so, so weird. Mm-hmm. The creepy part about the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie is the squirrels. That was weird. And, like, squirrels kind of, like, when they're, like, crawling all over the um, girl, I believe it's Veruca, and then they, like, toss her in, like, the thing. Like, they all Mm -hmm. carry it as, like, a mass and then take her over to, like, the bin and, like, you know, uh, slug her down down the slide or something like that. That's just weird. Like, ooh, I was, like, I was was cringing when I was a kid because I don't like like the little – you squirrels don't like touching you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that at all. There's a lot of creepy stuff about the remake, though. Well, it's a it's a Tim Burton movie, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, that that's to be expected. <laughs> <laughs> but like, usually Tim Burton is like at least a little bit more like lighthearted. Big Fish and uh, Edward Scissorhands. It's like things are like super like colorful and cool and all that. But for the majority of like that first part of the film, it's like dead set in winter and like it's in this industrial town and it's like really sad everywhere. <laughs> like, but, it, like it's the the tone of it is definitely different, you know. Yeah, like, like the Christopher Lee sequence. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's super crazy. What's the Christopher Lee sequence? Christopher Lee plays Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka, his father. Oh, yeah, yeah, He's yeah. a dentist that was oh. like, never let Johnny Depp eat an ounce of chocolate, uh, which is, like, why Johnny Depp's character is way more off the rails than Gene Wilder's. He's got these insane daddy issues coupled with just unimaginable wealth and power that just make him, like, a horrible character. Like, horrible as in, like, you should be scared of this character. Mm. And th- those those like flashback scenes were really weird too, where we're, they're just like going back to like it, when they're ho- like he's he's literally like he takes his candy and he like goes through like you know lollipops will give you cavities and then he <laughs> throws them in the fire right in front of him. Mm-hmm. He's got that weird headgear set and he's just like he's got this like weird like because he he his mouth is like mostly open and stuff so he he's not frowning he's just like like creepily like going like that you know it's ugh, I don't like it. But the original actor for not the original the uh, remake actor for uh, for Charlie is Freddie Highmore who's in like Bates Motel he plays like the good doctor and stuff he's actually a very recognizable actor now um, so it's kind of cool to like see him do stuff back then you know but that's yeah that's a weird one what's next on our list Will up next we have the wall okay so I added this in um, and I'm just gonna talk about it real quick so Pink Floyd. Um, they have this really great album called Dark Side of the Moon, which is cool. That was 1973. In 1979, they made a film, uh, a, an album called The Wall. And it was like a weird take on totalitarianism and the government and stuff. And it was like that. that it has a lot of mixed messages and stuff that you could probably get into, but we don't really have time for it. They made a movie in like 1982 um, with a lot of – I not like a lot of big people, but it was the same thing uh, with uh, the Yellow Submarine movie, where they took a bunch of their songs and they made it off the album, and then they made it into like a full feature film. So it's mostly animated and stuff, and it basically t- it um, 
it takes like a character um, through like his his uh, whirlwind of like fame and you know fortune, and he's hanging around like a bunch of girls and doing drugs and stuff. And it, then it shows him like kind of in his past when he was like a kid and like he like a loss of innocence almost and stuff. And um, it has like all the iconic songs like un- uncomfortable, comfortably numb. Uh, you know, uh, Goodbye Blue Sky is another great sequence and stuff. So I would definitely recommend it if you are into that kind of stuff with Yellow Submarine and all that. It definitely is a thing that you should check out. Um, Bob Geldof, uh, he's like stars in like the whole film and it's directed by Alan Parker. Yeah, and like the screenplay was written by Roger Waters of Pink Floyd. Um, it it did like okay and like it, honestly it does kind of go unnoticed if you're not super into Pink Floyd but definitely is something that I would recommend checking out so just a little bit of a of tidbit a lot of good music throughout too um, then up next we have a uh, Whiplash with J K Simmons and that one guy uh, Miles Teller <laughs> Miles uh, Teller that I always forget the name of this movie actually made me like a really big Miles Teller fan for like a week or two like. I love this movie so much and his performance in it that I just went through his entire filmography trying to see what else he'd done. And at that point, it was like just Project X and some other like high school movies like that. And um, but I really, really like this movie and how does he win at the end? I think that J.K. Simmons like beats him because he. No, he does win at the end. Because J.K. Simmons uh, tries to humiliate him because he got J.K. Simmons fired. Mm-hmm. And so J.K. Simmons is like, hey, no hard feelings. You want to perform with me in my band? Which Miles Teller should have known as a trap. <laughs> um, but he gives him the wrong sheet music to like study. And then he's like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. And then he like tries to run away. And it's like, no. And, like can't run away. And then he comes back. And he's like, double time. And he's improvising. And then J.K. Simmons gets impressed. And then he's like going along with it and everybody's happy yeah jk simmons in that whole film is just just like like, brutal it's it's so hard to like watch like this kid you know go through like some and some stupid like the drums you know like (laughs) i just felt like i just felt so bad for his character yeah and it's a college student that we're like watching cry and because this guy this person is being so awful to him and it's it's impressive that we feel sorry for him and that we're not like saying, dude, you're in college. Why are you crying about this? Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody else have anything to say about this film? I just have like one little, you know, piece of thing. It's like when people get so into like their thing, when it's like, even, and a lot of th- times it is musicians and stuff, but like if you get like so into like your thing and then you have like a mentor who's not always like giving like the best influence. I, I say this because we used to have like a choir teacher who would get like super, super into like the, the students like thing and stuff like that, where she would almost like, you know, be, you know, like physically like pushy and stuff like that, you know, whereas like getting them to like be better and stuff. Um, it's a really uncomfortable situation. And I specifically remember like this one choir teacher that we got and they just, man, it was, it was, it was honestly like such a rough time for uh, that department. And I was like a part of it too. But like if any of our listeners out there, like have that one mentor that they didn't like, we can probably relate it back to J.K. Simmons and the <laughs> Whiplash movie. So, up next we have High Fidelity, which one I haven't seen, but it's definitely on my uh, watch list. It has John 
Cusack? Cusack. Cusack. So uh, uh, Jack Black, too, I suppose. Yeah, so this is a movie that I got Cody into when we were roommates freshman year. Uh, It hits all the major Cody criteria. Um, There is a, like, narrator who breaks the fourth wall on multiple occasions, and Cody was super into, like, those watch mojo lists on YouTube that are, like, top ten anime deaths or whatever. I've, um, I've been civilized since then i have switched to what culture <laughs> oh okay well but this movie is like like before watch mojo before buzzfeed uh there's like a running gag throughout this movie which focuses on two or three guys who work at a record shop together uh, and specifically john cusack who owns it and like his relationships with women but uh there's this running gag where you know one of them will just throw out a question like top five opening tracks on a first album and so they'll all list like, oh, I think that this song from Elvis's first album, like I think that's the number one, two, three, four, five, and then they'll go down them, uh, kind of like inventing BuzzFeed. But uh, it's really fun the way they do it. Uh, it also gives you a sense into who these characters are. It's a really sleek movie, uh, really easy to watch, and a lot of fun. Yeah. And then uh, moving on to another film that you guys like. Uh, have you seen? Uh, I have. Yes, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, which is also on my watch list, and I haven't gotten around to movie it. movie that opens with cutting your brother in half of a machete is, oh boy. is always high on my list. <laughs> this was a movie that seems to be, like, built for me, like made for me in a factory. <laughs> uh, it stars John C. Riley, uh, and he basically goes through – every famous rock musician from like the mid fifties till like the late eighties and like parodies every one of them. So he starts his career as like a, a buddy Holly type knockoff um, or like a Roy Orbison type. Uh, and this is another movie like pop star where like when he does a Roy Orbison esque song, it's like, Holy crap. Roy Orbison could have cut this song and like nobody would have like it, it totally fits so he, he goes through like Roy Orbison he becomes Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys for a while and gets into like we have to have 900 didgeridoos in the studio <laughs> for this <laughs> or like you know he does Bowie for a bit he does like but like also at the same time the people I'm mentioning exist within this movie so like he goes through a Bob Dylan phase and like gets called out the character they're like aren't you just ripping off bob dylan and he's like aren't you just ripping off bob dylan (laughs) (laughs) i i never really uh caught on to that actually i i just thought the entire time oh it's a johnny cash parody (laughs) like i i didn't think about it even being different people i just thought it was a parody of walk the walk the line and i mean like to an extent it is he does go through a johnny cash phase his like this the movie is named after a song from the movie called Walk Hard, which is his, like, Johnny Cash parody, which is great. It's a fantastic song. But there's a whole album full of him, like, you know, he does a song that, like, emulates the Beatles on, like, kind of their more psychedelic side. Because he does LSD with the Beatles at one point, who are played by, like, Paul Rudd, Jack Black, and Jason Schwartzman. <laughs> trying to think of who the fourth one is. I don't remember. But, uh yeah, it's it's really funny. Tons of star-studded cameos, great music, one of the funniest movies since in our lifetimes, yeah, for this, sure. This looks like up my alley, honestly. Just yeah. going through, like, the different phases of, like, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. So up next, um, another one of our favorites, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, Music, yes, but more importantly, just like the whole graphic novel-esque stuff that's in this film, it's crazy good. I love the ideas that they had. Uh, Edgar Wright 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he he's the director for it, and it was just I don't know. It's just a fun movie to watch in general. And it's like the little things, like the small jokes that Michael Sarah makes to to the cast and stuff. Well, the um, scene where he jumps out the window is yeah, is probably my favorite part. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Is Scott there? Well, he just left, and then he flies through the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk about the music for a second, though, because we are talking about yeah. like musicals. I think the music is really good, and it also um, moves the plot along at times. Mm-hmm. And also is like it, none of the songs are comedic. There's no like songs with jokes in them, but some of the songs are really funny. Like there's <laughs> so so the movie is about uh, like a Canadian indie rock band that joins a battle of the bands. And one of their competitors are these two guys that are like super early 2000s emo, whatever mm-hmm. you want to describe them as. And they take the stage and they go, this next song is called So Sad because we are so very sad. So. And then it's just like two chords where they just go, so sad. And like the Thank song's you. over. Yeah. But then somebody like heckles them from the, from yeah, the balcony. No, and then they were... like, all right, well, this one goes up to the uh, dude on the uh, balcony who won't shut up. We this hate you. Please die. <laughs> we hate you. Please die. It was because uh, their name was Crash and the Boys. And then Wallace shouts, is that girl a boy too? And the and the, the singer shouts back, yes. yes. <laughs> well, I mean, the original, like right after, right after they sing, so sad. The same heckler whose name is Wallace. He's like Scott Pilgrim's gay roommate, is how it's described throughout the film. Wallace goes, "It's not a race, guys." <laughs> my um, my favorite song from that one is actually Brie Larson's. Oh uh, yeah, when he's battling against a uh, vegan Todd because um, <laughs> the editing in that one's so cool. Cause it's like, hello again, friend of a friend. And then it goes down now and it cuts between all of the different characters having death stares at each other. Yeah. And, like on the beats with the guitar, like when the chords change, so does the camera. Yeah. And it's like, it's also a good song too. Like I want to hear the rest of that song. <laughs> it's on like, it's out there. I mean, I, I listen to it on Spotify, but it's like a YouTube. You can find it wherever. Yeah. <laughs> who's the who's the guy who plays like the action uh star Chris uh, Evans, Chris Evans. Chris Captain Evans. America Lucas that one's Lee. so funny <laughs> <laughs> can you do a thing on that thing it's called a grind bro <laughs> yeah he's grind, Scott uh, has to destroy the seven ex-boyfriends of his manic pixie dream girl Ramona Flowers and uh one of them is now a famous like movie star named um What's Lucas, Lee. Lucas Lee, Lucas Lee, uh, who's filming like a skateboarding movie at this castle, and like Scott obviously can't defeat him with his punches because he's this big action guy, but he just dares him to do a really dangerous skateboarding trick, <laughs> and he like goes so fast on his skateboard grinding down this rail that he explodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't get my coins <laughs> or my autograph. I never got his autograph. Speaking of rock and roll, though, I just saw the dirt. Um, the the biopic, if you will, of Motley Crue and just things like Tommy Lee and Nikki Six and stuff like that. It is a crazy good film. Um, so basically, what it is, it's like it sh- it starts off with like Nick. Each band member really narrates the story and like different segments of their uh, career. And Motley Crue, for like those of you who don't know, in the early '80s was like a really big deal. And then like through the '80s, and then like probably to like 1990 when they came out with another good album, they were reaching like number one on billboards and stuff. So they were a really really big deal. And um, Nikki Six and Tommy Lee and um, the the other people in the band, they were like super s- just 
crazy dudes, you know, like who were, you know, they'd be like, you know, hitting up drugs and stuff and then like going out and like, you know, performing shows at like 11 p.m. and stuff and then like spending like that entire like morning after whatever, just like partying and stuff and drinking. And it was a, it was a really crazy time um, for like a whole set of like 12 or 15 years, you know, just doing that same stuff. And so it goes through like a, a, a their music and stuff, but it's more of just like things about them and like their lives and stuff. Because Tommy Lee, like starting off, apparently, according to the film, was like a really like chill guy and stuff. Who was like super nice. He was really tall and stuff like that. And now, do you know that Tommy Lee is like married to was it Brittany Fursden or something like that? She's he's married to a a person from Vine. Hmm. hmm. Like the original one too. Um, I can't. Re- I can't remember her last name off the top I of my head. I know that he has a if certain you, I, tape with Pamela Anderson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's out there. Um, which I believe that they were like a thing, like spouse. Like, they, yeah, they were married, I guess, together for a couple uh, of years, and then that did not happen anymore. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a really crazy story about Motley Crue and the things that they go through. Like the first like 15 minutes are like so just intense and it's like, wow, this is crazy. And it's like, oh, wow, this whole entire film is weird. Pete Davidson is in it. He plays like the Capitol Record guy. And there's like a it's basically it's like the perfect film for like sex, drugs and rock and roll if you're into that sort of thing. So really good. Really good. Have you guys seen it? No, my no. girlfriend's really into it. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> Speaking of more rock and roll, though, we and have... And good ones. And good ones, yeah. Um, however you want to phrase it. Rock of Ages. Yeah, the <laughs> hair bands or such. Um, rock of Ages, the which... The most underrated musical, I'd say. Because it, yeah. our co-host, Kyle, hates this movie. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it. I've seen about a total of 20 minutes. I've seen Alec Baldwin and Tom Cruise try and sing. And it's also... Uh, Based on the worst period in rock and roll, name music the best, history. The best period in music history. Yeah, maybe if you've like, we never... have conflicting sides here <laughs> for those just tuning in. Yeah. Um, well, I I I enjoy the '80s vibe of nothing really makes sense. It's <laughs> it's everything is just cheesy throughout the entire thing, and mm. so like. It's not supposed to be taken like super, super seriously, but it's more just like you're in it for like the music and the the stupid like Night Ranger soundtrack <laughs> or whatever that comes along with it. That's really why people, I guess, really get into this film. I get into this film for Tom Cruise. I think this is a movie made for like middle-aged moms. Yeah, like, absolutely. Kind of the yeah. sad ones that miss being 17. Okay, yeah. stop talking crap about my mom now. <laughs> um, no, that's how my mom is, yeah. <laughs> because she's the one that purchased this movie. <laughs> but she actually, yeah, bought it for herself, and then I think that uh, me and Dad liked it more than she did. <laughs> but I just think it's a really funny movie. Uh, it's a good uh, parody of how that was back then, and... Um, Tom Cruise's performance is really good. You know that, like the original, because it started out as a Broadway or an off-Broadway yes. show. Uh, Tom Cruise was originally played by Chris Hardwick in the first. Really? Oh wow, like, that's cool. Cast, yeah. yeah. Well, tell you what, the dirt is meant for your dad. <laughs> Rock of Ages is meant for your mom, and then the kids get Scott Pilgrim. That's Sounds a fair good. deal. Yeah. As far yeah, as if, you are, if you're looking at in your Walmart bin, you <laughs> see something that you like, make sure you uh, get all those three. Um, how about we end this with, 
We got one minute left. Quick take on this is Spinal Tap. Um, Christopher Guest. The is it the first mockumentary? I feel like it is. It is. Uh, te- yes, technically yes. It's the first big one. And um, it's I it's an iconic film, not for necessarily the music or anything, but everybody knows turn it up to 11 like people who haven't even heard of this movie say turn it up to 11 and that's because of a big joke in this <laughs> film where they are like so we just bought an app today and the it's a uh, like some ridiculous amount of money and the ch- the thing is this one goes to 11 <laughs> and then the like interviewer's like why don't you just make one that has a uh, 10 at the highest setting <laughs> no you don't understand this one no, goes, to goes to 11. 11. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll just end by saying that the best take on KZLX goes to 11. <laughs> it goes to 11. Thank you for listening to our show this week. We'll have some more stuff for you next week. We're always Tuesdays at, at 6. Oof, almost forgot. Um, we'll see you then. Thank you for listening.